Hello. Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We're Stacy and Pete. We hope this podcast finds you in great spirits. And if not, maybe we can help lift them a little bit. We lead that horse to water. <laughs> Drink up that nostalgia. <laughs> so, as you know, we like to kind of talk about some fun things that have been happening on our social media accounts or just with us in the past week or so. This actually has been over the past month because I've shared several clips from Buena High School. It was the senior class in 1999, which is fitting because the movie we're covering came out in 1999. It did. And it's just footage of them asking the students their favorite movies, their favorite songs. They had some prom stuff too, which I haven't shared yet, but they're asking them just like, what was their favorite thing about prom? And people really loved it. Really good responses from it. Right. Of course, there's always people who, you know, disagree with the answers, but that's what I love about this because (laughs) the answers are all over the place. Right. I'm like, you can't find one, one person here that you agree with. (laughs) But the answers were really fun to hear. And if you would like to see the whole retrospective, you can go to their YouTube channel, Buena TV Productions. And I thought it would be fun to play a little clip. Maybe we'll play a little clip of the Buena High School seniors telling us their favorite movies. Oh, let's hear it. Favorite movie would have to be probably Titanic and (laughs) Office Space. And I still know what you did last summer. And, oh, and the faculty. And the faculty. Half-baked. <laughs> Waterboy. Why was your favorite movie? It hit people hard. Wet Dreams May Come with Robin Williams. Varsity Blues so far. Varsity was Blues. Varsity Blues. Mm-hmm. Well, I liked She's All That a lot, but... Um, my favorite movie was She's All That. My favorite movie would probably be Train Spotting. Oh, my favorite movie had to be Basketball. I did like Rush Hour. And- the best one that I've seen so far is American History X, which is, it's really good. It's so intense. Full metal, Full metal jacket. <laughs> I see why you got so many complaints. Those are all wrong. <laughs> well, what, what would you have said in 99? <laughs> Let's see, in 99, depending on when in 99, this would have been in June. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a movie from 99. All the movies they listed weren't all from 1999. It just depends on if I've seen Fight Club or not yet in 1999. Was it out yet? When did it come out? October 99. Oh, this probably would have been spring of 99 because they graduated in 99. But, you know, it's fine. I probably would have said at that point, Last Action Hero. And somebody else on there said What Dreams May Come and I really liked Yes. What dreams may come. A lot of people in the comments were like, that kid knew what was up. Yeah. <laughs> I think my answer then probably would have been, even though they came out earlier, Romeo and Juliet or Titanic. Right. Because I was a huge Leo fan. Also, Empire Records and Dazed and Confused are ones that I watched often and that all my friends loved. And I think it made us feel like we were cool that we loved those movies. Maybe it still does make me feel that way. You are cool if you do. (laughs) It's the only thing that makes me feel cool. (laughs) Anyway, I thought that was a fun share, and I need to do some digging and find some more clips like that. Yeah, I like those clips from the 90s that you've been sharing, because I feel like it's that Buena High School, and who's that other account that caused all the controversy? Oh, that's Len Enders. He, yeah, has tons of home video footage from the 80s and 90s. It's all really good. I still have a lot that I plan on sharing. And I have a lot of footage myself that I haven't shared yet. Some of it is so good. 
but like I don't share it because it has so many people in it that I just feel like I don't want to upset them for <laughs> by sharing it. But I also don't want to ask them if they care if I share it. But there's like footage of us singing in the church van on the way to a youth trip. Oh. And we're singing like Casey and Jojo. And <laughs> one of the guys was very into Tupac. He was listening to that all the time. But we're also like singing That Thing You Do. And I don't know. It's just good times. But I have shared like when we all tried Surge for the first time. Yes. That was a lot of fun. I recently shared footage where we were at the hotel and just running around, having a pillow fight, going to different floors, and just footage of us running through the hotels, just randomly saying hi to everyone we passed. (laughs) It was wholesome fun. It was. Although the boys, always going overboard in the pillow fights. Yeah, they did rough me up a bit. They did. You're too rough, boys. Stop it. (laughs) Well, I guess it's time for show and tell. Who we got this week? This week, I'm very excited. We have Jamie of Millennial Misery. Millennial Misery is a top-notch nostalgia account. Right. If you are not following, you must go follow. I also think she's a Tennessee gal. Is she? I'm not mistaken. We had exchanged some DMs early on. I think she saw that I was from Tennessee and reached out. But anyway, I was excited that she wanted to participate in our show and tell. Well, let's go then. So Jamie was born in 1981. Just a youngin. (laughs) Just a baby. Just a baby. <laughs> and obviously, Jamie and I would have been friends if we had known each other back then because her favorite 80s movie, Teen Witch. You all know how much I love Teen Witch. Yes, we do. Favorite 80s song from AHA, Take On Me. And I kid you not, I did not realize what she had said when I picked her for the show and tell for this episode. What? Her favorite movie, 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm not so sure I believe this. I I am telling you, as the amazing group All for One would say, I swear. I swear by the moon and the stars in the skies. And I swear. Like the shadow that's by your side. Alright, we're gonna choose to believe you. <laughs> Favorite 90s song from Salt and Peppa, Shoop. Hey yeah, I wanna shoop, baby. Shoop. Oh. No. Love that song so much. Alright, favorite 80s or 90s TV shows. My so-called life, which if you're new here. We are recapping My So-Called Life episode by episode. We just released episode 10 of My So-Called Life last week. We are more than halfway there. Yes. Also, Just the Ten of Us. I loved that show. Fraggle Rock, Doug, and the Get Along Gang. Toy that Jamie loved most as a child. My talk boy. I love being able to change my voice. That's so fun. It is fun. I wish I had had a talk boy. I never had one. I do as well. We're a talk girl. They had both. I would have taken either. (laughs) Favorite game or book that Jamie loved as a child or teenager? Mall Madness. Sorry, try again later. Favorite place to go in the mall in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s? She says 80s slash early 90s KB Toys, Toys R Us. In the late 90s and early 2000s, Deb, Rave, Charlotte Russe. That's where she got her going out tops. Ah, okay. Never heard of Charlotte Russe. I got some going out tops from there as well. Did you? And Deb and Rave. (laughs) 
That was the thing though, like, well, I wasn't really going out that much in the 90s, maybe a little bit in the late 90s, but definitely early 2000s. It was always like I was going to wear jeans and a going out top. Yeah. I saw a video the other day, someone, I can't remember who it was or I would mention them right now, but they had mentioned going out tops and how everybody said, I'm going to wear a going out top. And if you were a person that wore a going out top, you knew what that meant. <laughs> I typically wore a t-shirt from a place that I worked. <laughs> to go out? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Celebrity crushes as a kid or teen. Her first crush was Vanilla Ice. Ew. <laughs> she wrote in parentheses. <laughs> Ew. Later, Leonardo DiCaprio. See, I told you we would be friends. And your fave, Tupac. Sounds like we would have been friends. That's right. Well, thank you, Jamie. That was a great show and tell. Yes. Thank you, Jamie. And if you would like to follow Jamie at Millennial Misery, you can find her on Instagram at Millennial underscore Misery. She's on Facebook at Millennial Misery. Twitter at Millennial Miz, M-I-S-E, and the number one. And she's on TikTok at Millennial Misery. Thanks again, Jamie. And if you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. We're on TikTok at we don't want to grow up. We're on Facebook at we don't want to grow up podcast. And we have a Facebook group called The Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. All you have to do is answer a few questions and agree to the group rules. And our incredible mod, Joanna, will approve you. And then we'll all have some cozy fun. If you're interested in We Don't Want to Grow Up merch, you can go to we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. And finally, if you would like to help support the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast, and if you would like access to 50 plus bonus episodes, you can come to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. We used to only have one tier, right? which was $4 a month for access to everything. Since we took an episode away from you here, now we're only doing one episode a week. We decided to add two more tiers on our Patreon. There is a $2 tier called Short and Sweet. And that's where you'll have access to our shorter episodes like Dear Diary, Middle School Notes, quizzes from teen magazines, things like that. Yeah. Next tier is our game show tier. It is $3 a month. You get access to the Short and Sweets and all of our game show episodes that we do over there. And then, of course, our $4 tier covers all of the content, as it always has. So come check us out, and we appreciate your support. And now it's time. One of your favorites. It's 10 Things I Hate About You. So this came out in 1999. It was a teen rom-com directed by Gil Younger. The screenplay was written by Karen McCullough Lutz and Kristen Smith. It's a modernization of William Shakespeare's comedy, The Taming of the Shrew, retold in a late 1990s American high school setting. This is not a story I'm familiar with, so I don't know how well they translated it. I know. It's not one that I, you know, learned about in high school. And I didn't, going to be honest, I didn't really go beyond that with Shakespeare. Ditto. <laughs> so new student Cameron is instantly smitten with Bianca, but he soon learns about her father's very strict dating rules. Which are that she can only date when her older sister Kat dates. Pretty much she can only do anything when Kat does it. And unfortunately for Bianca, 
Kat has 0.0 interest in dating. But Cameron tries to get around that by getting Patrick, who is the school's resident bad boy, to date Kat. But Patrick only agrees after Joey Donner, the rich kid, who is also after Bianca, pays him. And the film is named after a poem which Kat writes about her romance with Patrick. Yes, and we will be talking more about that poem in a little bit. Yes, we will. All right, our cast. One of my 90s favorites, Julia Stiles, plays Katarina Cat Stratford. The late Heath Ledger as Patrick Verona. As we know, Heath, very sadly, passed away in 2008. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Cameron James. One of my favorites. Although he wasn't one of my favorites until later on. Like at this point, he was still like a little boy. I thought he was adorable, but I started looking at him differently a little later, about 10 years later. About 10 years later, yeah. <laughs> in 500 Days of Summer. Larissa Olenek as Bianca Stratford. Larry Miller as Walter Stratford. Andrew Keegan, who was one of my faves back in the day also, plays Joey Donner. David Krumholtz as Michael Ekman. Susan May Pratt as Mandela. Gabrielle Union as Chastity Church. <laughs> Daryl Mitchell as Mr. Morgan. Allison Janney as Miss Perky, who is Padua High School's guidance counselor. <laughs> and writing a very, very saucy romance novel. <laughs> so exotic. David Leisure as Mr. Chapin, who is the coach of the girls' soccer team. Greg Jackson as Scurvy, who is Patrick's friend. <laughs> Kyle Cease as Bogie Lowenstein who we know had a very large party forced on him. Accidental awesome <laughs> party. And then, of course, we have the musical guests, would we say? Obviously, the band Letters to Cleo, which is singer Kay Hanley, guitarist Greg McKenna and Michael Eisenstein, bassist Scott Riebling, and drummer Jason Sutter. They appear as the band that is performing at Club Skunk which Kat goes to see, and they're playing their songs, Come On and Co-Pilot, and then also a cover of Cheap Tricks, I Want You to Want Me, at the end of the movie on the school's rooftop during the closing credits. And then Kay and Michael also appear in the prom scene. They're performing a cover of Nick Lowe's Cruel to Be Kind with the band Save Ferris. And I just have to say that I love how almost all proms in movies and on TV shows have live music. I need to know if your prom had a band, had live music, because we had, I mean, I don't even think we had a real quote unquote DJ at our prom. It was probably one of our teachers who was like a little more knowledgeable in the music department. I don't know who did ours, but I'm wondering, is this a West Coast thing? Could be like I could see maybe I just shared some prom footage from Ventura High School out in California, and I think they probably would have had live music. Although, I don't know. I think there's footage of them just dancing to All My Life by Casey and JoJo, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Reach out and tell us if you had a band at your prom. But, yeah. I mean, if you think about, you know, I'm just thinking of, like, Beverly Hills 90210. And I just watched Valley Girls. They had a band. Back to the Future had yes, a band. Yes, they did. Maybe that's where it all started. <laughs> Maybe. So, on to fun facts. You Ready. Ready. Josh Hartnett and Ashton Kutcher were in the running to play Patrick. Eliza Dushku auditioned for the role of Cat. Katie Holmes was also considered for that role. Oh, I could see Katie. Me too. Kate Hudson was offered the part, but her mom, Goldie Hawn, didn't like the script, so she passed. Oh, that's funny. I wonder why she didn't like the script. It was a good script. A year later, she was Miss Penny Lane. She was. <laughs> 
So I totally missed this, but apparently 10 years later, the movie was adapted into a TV series of the same title, which ran for 20 episodes, and Larry Miller reprised his role as Walter Stratford. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I missed that as well. Need to look that up and see who else was in it, if there's anybody else that I would recognize. It would have been in 2009. Yeah. Hmm, Okay. So in its opening weekend, the film grossed $8.3 million in 2,200 theaters domestically, putting it second in the box office behind The Matrix. Wow. If The Matrix was out, I changed my original answer. In 1999, my favorite movie would have been The Matrix. Yes. And Titanic. I loved both of them. And Titanic. I loved Titanic. I saw it like five times in the theater. Also, I saw The Matrix like 10 times in the theater. But did you puke on like your eighth viewing of it like I did? I did not. I don't (laughs) quite have the story that you do and all of those people Uh. that were in the theater the story they have as I bet well. they tell that story, too, about yeah. like this one time there was a girl they were watching sitting behind Titanic. me and yeah. she puked up. on me. And like my dad said, got a little seasick. You got a little seasick. <laughs> <laughs> Except it was just actually sick with a stomach bug. Oh. Hit me at the wrong time. Sorry, did. folks. Did. <laughs> so the movie grossed a total of $38.2 million in the U.S. and Canada and added another $15.3 million on the rest of the globe for a total of 535 million dollars at the box office nice on a 13 million dollar budget so it did well so the entire film was shot using real locations which i thought was interesting no sets were used at all i wonder how often that happens yeah i don't know it looked great it did look great so in the movie the high school is named padua in reference to the town where taming of the shrew is set that's fun David Krumholtz, who played Michael in the film, wrote a piece for Vulture magazine explaining why he thought that the movie worked so well. And he stated that the entire cast had become fast friends. He said, quote, Joseph Gordon-Levitt turned me on to Fish and I turned him on to Wu-Tang Clan. Gabrielle Union had us in stitches. Julia Stiles brought her own brand of Soho-bred artistic intellectualism at only 17, mind you. Larissa Olenek's laughter filled the room. And we marveled at the tonedness of Andrew Keegan's muscles. <laughs> a great sport. Filming began without Heath Ledger and the cast worried how his presence would change the dynamic. And David said, this was a concern that was remedied a few days later when he arrived and we found yet another comrade in sensibility. The group with Heath only got stronger. Before I knew it, the cast was experiencing what I've since found to be all too rare, a unified chemistry throughout the ensemble without a single bad apple in the bunch. We all agreed that we were having the best summer of our lives. That sounds like a great time. I know. I love it. It's always nice when you hear that everybody actually got along. Yeah. So in the movie, Cameron learns French in order to tutor Bianca. But in real life, JGL speaks French fluently. Yeah, he does. (laughs) So in an interview with Pop Dose... Letters to Cleo lead singer Kay Hanley said that they had to perform their song on a patch of the roof the size of Hanley's kitchen on a windy day. I would have freaked out. Yeah. She said, so they told us this is a helicopter shot and it costs $500,000 every time the helicopter has to take off. So don't this up. (laughs) As we started playing, we saw the helicopter appear off in the distance. It's hard to say how far away it was at first because we were so high up in the air. But then all of a sudden, the helicopter does this dive bomb directly toward us. Is the helicopter out of control? Is it supposed to be coming at us like this? And I'm thinking, don't up. Keep singing the song. Don't up. It costs 500 grand every time the copter takes off. It was unbelievably scary, but it turned out to be such an amazing shot. And we sat there and watched. Yes. 
to see at what moment were they freaking out. Yes, because I told Pete that I had read about this before we watched it, just so we could find that moment. And we were finally like, yep, that's the moment. <laughs> it's that final approach. Like everything else, I was just like, well, it's it's kind of close. It's not that bad. It was maybe blowing their hair a little bit. But yeah, the final pass over mm-hmm. is uh, pretty close. Oh, yeah. Props to them for not flinching because yeah. I probably would have ducked. <laughs> <laughs> So this is interesting. The table dance scene is what led to Julia Stiles landing the lead role in Save the Last Dance, which came out, of course, in 2001. That's funny to me. It is. I love it. I also love Save the Last Dance. I haven't seen it in a long time, but my best friend Sarah loves that movie, and we used to watch it together a lot. I think I saw that in the theater. Did you? I did. (laughs) I mean, me too, but a little more surprised you did. (laughs) So several names reflect the Shakespearean origin of Taming of the Shrew. Bianca and Kat's last name is Stratford. William Shakespeare was born in Stratford-upon-Avon. Patrick's last name is Verona, birthplace of Petruchio, who's the corresponding character from the play. The high school is called Padua, like we said earlier, which, which is the city where the play is set. And the two sisters' names are Katerina and Bianca, same as in the play. Lots of references. I love that. And if you're someone who loves Shakespeare and loves Taming of the Shrew, I'm sure you were very excited at all the references. That's Bianca. Oh, my God. That's Bianca. Oh, (laughs) Cat. Cat is Katarina. Oh, my God. (laughs) Verona. (laughs) I did catch the Verona because of Romeo and Juliet, of course. In Fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Achoo, Petruchio. So this was screenwriters Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith's first screenplay. Wow. They would go on to write one of my favorites, Legally Blonde, which came out in 2001, and The House Bunny, which came out in 2008. Wow, what a team. Bruiser. (laughs) We need to cover Legally Blonde this year. We should. I love it. I love that you love it. (laughs) So we see Kat get so excited when she gets into Sarah Lawrence College. And in reality, Larissa, who played Bianca, went to Sarah Lawrence. Is this a college you'd heard of? I think so. Or do I just know of it because of this movie? I think you know of it because of this movie. I've never heard of it. I mean, I just feel like, yeah, Sarah Lawrence. But maybe it's just because of this movie. No, I I think I knew of it. Did you? Yeah. Where is it? New York. We do know it's on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah. Because her dad is not happy. So during a Q&A with the screenwriters, Karen McCullough revealed where the title came from. She said the title is based on a diary entry I made in high school. Ah, I love it. I had a boyfriend named Anthony that I was frequently unhappy with. I made a list called Things I Hate About Anthony. (laughs) When Kristen Smith and I decided to write this, I went through all of my high school diaries to bone up on the angsty memories. And when I told her about that list, she was like, that's our title. (laughs) It turns out her ex-boyfriend likes the movie. Anthony is very proud of that fact, McCullough said. We're still friends today, and every now and then I'll get a random phone call in the middle of the night. My nephew doesn't believe that this title is about me. Tell him. (laughs) On the phone, I'm like, yes, I hated Anthony in high school. (laughs) And here are 10 things I hated. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's kind of ironic seeing right now I'm holding in my hands one of my diaries from high school. Do we have a movie in there? Maybe. Maybe. But I know for sure what we have is a lot of angsty, embarrassing things. You all know that I have shared some of my diary entries on our regular podcast, and I usually save the really cringy ones. Juicy, not cringy. (laughs) For our Patreon. And in a little bit, we're going to be recording some more Mm -hmm. for Patreon. So come check it out. Yes. I don't know why I had to pick it up to talk about it, but I just did. She was holding it. (laughs) As if you can see me. 
So the reason that they chose the song Cruel to be Kind to play in the movie is because the song lyric Cruel to be Kind is a reference to a line from the play Hamlet, another of Shakespeare's classic works. Our next one, Larissa and JGL dated each other in Third Rock from the Sun. And when I say JGL, everybody knows what I'm talking about. I hope they do. That's pretty much how we refer to him in this house. But if not, that's Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes. (laughs) And they played Alyssa and Tommy. On the DVD commentary, Olenek said that she was cast as Alyssa after filming the movie and they were not the best of friends. Oh, well, see, that kind of goes against what David said in his article. Yeah. Wonder if that happened maybe after the fact. Could be. I wonder if she has a, a list. Things I hate about Joseph. Oh, If she does, I don't want to know about it. (laughs) So the character of Patrick, played by Heath Ledger, is based on the Taming of the Shrews, Petruchio. Petruchio. (laughs) Heath Ledger drew on Richard Burton's portrayal in Taming of the Shrew, 1967, as well as giving him a, quote, Jack Nicholson edge to him with his cheekiness and his smiles. Coincidentally, both actors, as we know, played Joker in Batman movies. So the original song scripted for Patrick to sing to Kat to gain her forgiveness was I Think I Love You by the Partridge Family. Uh, They couldn't use it since it was already used in Scream 2, 1997. It sure was. Uh, Speaking of Batman movies, both Heath Ledger and Joseph Gordon-Levitt would later appear in Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. Heath is the Joker in The Dark Knight in 2008. And then JGL as Detective Robin John Blake in The Dark Knight Rises in 2012. There's a picture from 10 Things I Hate About You of Heath and JGL in the cafeteria together with a caption that says, that moment when you find out the Joker and Robin went to high school together. (laughs) And it, of course, went viral after The Dark Knight Rises was released. Yes, it did. So Julia Stiles appeared in two other modernized Shakespeare adaptations, Hamlet in 2000 and O in 2001 which was the modernized version of Othello. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Andrew Keegan was one of her co-stars in O. Wow. Forgot he was in that too. That's one and Hamlet. I saw those in the theater and I never saw them again. I don't think I've seen either of those. Really? Yeah. All right. It's time for favorite moments. It is. Who's going first? I don't know. You want to go first? Sure. My top favorite moment is the high school. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Stadium High School in Tacoma, Washington. What a building. I mean, it is a beautiful school. I imagine, like, it seems like it would be a boarding school. It seems like those are dorms, like kids would live there. It looks like a college. It does. Also, their football field is right there on the water. Like, you can see it from the field. It's beautiful. That's a very good favorite moment. Thank you. (laughs) My first favorite moment, we talked about it earlier, but when Kat dances on the table at the party to Biggie's Hypnotize after a few tequila shots, it's the first time we get to see her let loose. It is. And I wonder, because we saw a few outtakes in the movie's credits and music is not playing. I know. At any point when the music is supposed to be playing. It's so funny to see. I wonder, was that playing while she was dancing or was she just dancing? It had to be playing. Or something had to be playing. Like a click track or something (laughs) to tell you what the beat is. (laughs) Although maybe they were like, well, she's drunk. So, you know, just (laughs) pretend like you can hear music and it's okay if it's not totally, you know, on the beat. 
But yeah, it's just a fun scene and everybody is all about it. They're all shocked to see her up there. And she just appears to be having the time of her life until she, she hits her noggin on the lampshade. She was rocking it until then. <laughs> but of course, Patrick is there to catch her. He is. Okay, my second moment when Cat smashes into Joey's car. <laughs> when I was watching it, I was like, there's no way she's about to back into his car. She does it. She sure does. Very ballsy move. I like it. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're not going to move? All right. Full send. <laughs> Next up for me, again, it's one of the first things that I think about when I think about this movie. It's when Patrick serenades Cat with Can't Take My Eyes Off of You by Frankie Valli. You're just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch. I want to hold you so much At long last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you You got the marching band playing. He's running around trying to get away from the security guards. And then he smacks one of them in the butt. (laughs) And the look on Kat's face, you know, you can tell nobody's ever done anything, any big romantic gesture like this for her before. Right. And just everybody, everybody loves it. It's such a good moment. It is. such a great introduction to Heath Ledger for me. I'm pretty sure this is the first movie I saw him in. And my third moment, Patrick's line when he finds out that both Joey and Cameron want to date Bianca. And he says this. What is it with this chick? She have beer flavored nipples? (laughs) (laughs) It's such a good moment. Uh, I hope that was an ad lib. I hope so too. I hope she had beer flavored nipples. I hope so too. (laughs) Magic. And finally, when Kat reads the poem towards the end of the movie. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh. Even worse, when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. What I love about this is, according to the DVD extras, this was her first and only take. And her tears were real and not planned. Not planned. She's good. Well done. (laughs) All right, HMs. My first HM. Michael launching off the cliff. (laughs) On his motorcycle on down towards the football field you were talking about. Yes. I mean, he actually lands it. I thought he was immediately going to bite it, but he made it a little while before he ate it. I like the fact that he's one who's not really considered to be a quote unquote cool kid. Yeah. But I love how everybody cheered when he stood up. Yeah. (laughs) All right. My first HM, and by the way, that's honorable mention if you are new here. This deep conversation... Between Bianca and Chastity about the difference between like and love. Yeah, but see, there's a difference between like and love. Because I like my Skechers, but I love my Prada backpack. But I love my Skechers. That's because you don't have a Prada backpack. Oh. Always makes me laugh. 
right, next up for me, when Patrick lights his cigarette with the flame in science class and then starts playing with the flame. Yes. And reportedly, Heath improvised that moment where he starts playing with the fire, which is great. I love it. And it's the perfect way to, apart from before that, where they have him like stabbing the frog that they're supposed to dissect. Yeah. You know, they're really laying it on thick with him being the bad boy. The bad boy. (laughs) And of course, there's all the rumors that are, you know, going around about him because he's a mystery. I love when they're at the Letters to Cleo show, the way that Patrick is watching Kat singing and dancing and enjoying herself, just the look on his face, because he's there, you know, with this whole plan in place to woo her for money. But you can tell that he immediately is like seeing a different side of her and becoming attracted to her. And then once they're finally talking and they're talking loud because the music is loud. And then he says... I was watching you out there before. I've never seen you look so sexy. (laughs) Just as the music cuts out so everyone can hear him. (laughs) They'll start laughing at him. Yeah. And then when he's asking her to go to Bogey's party with him, and then she's like, You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No. Well, then was that a no? No. I'll see you at 9.30 then. It's just a cute little exchange, and it's the first cute little exchange we get with the two of them. So next one for me, when Michael and Cameron are talking to Patrick and are telling him about Kat, and they mention to him that she's really into pretty guys, and then they just kind of stare at him, and he's like... Are you telling me I'm not a pretty guy? Very pretty. Yeah, I just just wasn't sure. I I didn't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, he is a pretty guy. I don't know. I think it's funny that they're trying to make it out like he's not. A pretty guy? Yeah, like wrong actor. Like it's Heath Ledger. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I know that he was a newbie, but still. Another oh-so-deep combo with Bianca and Chastity. I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? I think you can in Europe. It's just one of those lines that sticks with me. This is going to kind of be like our dodgeball episode where we just played a bunch of clips. It's a clip show. <laughs> clip episode. Next one for me, when Michael tells a girl, I can't remember who he was telling, but he told her... <laughs> I'm thinking of getting a Tercel. It's a Toyota. (laughs) And he's very proud of the fact that he's getting a Toyota. And I had completely forgotten about the Toyota Tercel. Me too. So there's a moment where Kat's dad is coming home from work, I believe, and she's in the living room reading. He comes in, he's looking through the mail, and he says, Hello, Katerina. Make anyone cry today? Sadly, no. But it's only 4.30. I just liked the banter between the two and the fact that he definitely had a read on his daughter. Yes. <laughs> he knows his daughter. Speaking of Kat, I love it when she gets kicked out of class for saying how she's looking forward to the assignment, but she really is. Yes, miss, I have an opinion about everything. Do you want this in iambic pentameter? You're not going to fight me on this? No, I think it's a really good assignment. <laughs> you just mess with me, aren't you? No, I'm really looking forward to writing it. Get out of my class. What? Out, get out. (laughs) Her teacher having none of it. That teacher is funny. He is funny. I like him a lot. And yeah, I mean, and with that, it's like he's just so used to her always giving it to him, always arguing, always telling him what's wrong about what he's doing, that it just doesn't feel right that she likes the assignment. I mean, she does kind of sound like she's being sarcastic, but it's because she's trying to be so genuine. I know. (laughs) It's just so rare for her. (laughs) This sisterly love between Kat and Bianca. Where did you come from? Planet Loser? 
As opposed to planet, look at me, look at me. My sister and I are not that close in age that we were in high school at the same time, but I could still relate to that lovely back and forth. My sisters are less than a year apart, but I'd moved away by the time they were in high school, so I don't know. I feel like they were probably nicer than that, but I guarantee there were some claws out occasionally. Probably, but I feel like, not that I knew them back then, but I feel like they had a lot of the same friends and that they hung out a lot. Yeah. Just from stories I've heard. They had to have fought, though, over a hairdryer or something. Right. (laughs) Borrowing some clothes without asking. Oh, all the time, I bet. (laughs) Next one for me, when Cat and Pat go out on a date. (laughs) Cat and Pat. And they're throwing paintballs on their date. I love this. Yes. I didn't know it was a thing. I know because I've never done like a paintball thing because I don't like the gun part of it. And the pain. I just feel like it would hurt. It does. I mean, I like the paint part, but. Pain. Oh, oh, the pain. (laughs) Yes. No tea. Yeah. I mean, I would totally do something like this where you just throw the big. Yeah, that would be fun. Like the fact that you can just squash it on top of somebody's head. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you have to throw yourselves down into a big pile of hay and make out. You do. With some amazing music playing in the background. Gotta be playing. (laughs) This moment between Cameron and Michael, when Cameron thinks all is lost. We are screwed. Hey, no, hey, I don't want to hear that defeatist attitude. I want to hear you upbeat. We're screwed. I just like the fact that even though he still thinks they're screwed, he's going to be upbeat about it. (laughs) All right. Next one for me. When Bianca punches Joey, not once, not twice, but three times at the prom. Yes. That's for making my day bleed. That's for my sister. And that's for me. Got what was coming to him. Yeah, he did. And I love that she's the one that did it. Yeah. All right. This is such a small moment, but it always makes me laugh. Bogey at his house when the doorbell rings. You know, obviously it's a very fancy house. He's not letting his friends that he has there touch anything. He doesn't want anybody to spill anything. The doorbell rings. He doesn't know that there are hundreds of teenagers <laughs> outside waiting to bombard the house. And he says, Oh, must be Nigel with the brie. <laughs> And I think Nigel was the first one to come in with the brie. Yes. Because he's like holding it up as the crowd flies past him. Yes. I have seen that posted before, like just that little part with arrows pointing to Nigel with the brie. It's from another nostalgia page called The Fresh Nostalgia, which is also an excellent nostalgia page you should check out. Okay, and my final HM, when Patrick gets Cat the surprise, and the surprise is the Fender guitar. Yes. So it brings them back together. Yeah. Well, and it shows that he paid attention. Also, he didn't use the money for himself. We saw actually a moment that I had written down where he sees Kat at the music store sitting with her headphones practicing playing the guitar. She doesn't know he's there. And just the look on his face while he watches her and then he walks away and then she like looks around because she can feel him. You know, I just think that that's a really sweet moment. So then to bring it back around and him to have bought that for her. Very sweet. It is. I do love this little moment between Patrick and Cameron where Patrick is giving Cameron a pep talk when he's defeated. See, first of all, Joey is not half the man you are. Secondly, don't let anyone ever make you feel like you don't deserve what you want. Go for it. And then, obviously, it's not at the forefront of the movie, but it is really sweet. I like the romance buildup between Michael and Mandela. Obviously, she is very into Shakespeare and he woos her. With that knowledge. Yes. 
Although I did expect him to show up at the prom with like whatever that big dust ruffle is that Shakespeare wears around his neck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is dressed up, but not quite to that level. I wanted it. I, whatever that thing is, I feel like clowns wear it or something. Yeah, it's like the big collar. Yes. But I love too when he surprises her with the dress in her locker and invites her to the prom. And then when they see each other for the first time at the prom, all very sweet. Very sweet. They kind of needed their own little spinoff. They did. <laughs> And then, like you mentioned before, the outtakes at the end of this movie. I wish every movie showed outtakes. I love a good blooper reel. Ditto. And like you mentioned, too, it was so funny to see the party scene and the prom scenes with no music. And you just hear feet on the floor moving. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand how they keep people dancing to at least very closely to the same beat without music playing. Like, what do they do? But I guess that's why if you ever notice and it feels like there are people who are insanely offbeat, it's because they're not actually playing music. True. But yeah, the outtakes are hilarious. And it's just, you can't help but laugh when you see actors lose it. Right. You know? I love it. It's like when you're watching SNL and somebody breaks. Oh my gosh. My favorite. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have a joint favorite moment here. We do. The soundtrack. The soundtrack. It is so good. We're probably going to be talking about the soundtrack in a little more detail in a future episode. But just to mention a few, Pete loves... Sexy Boy by Air. Yes. And you've got, obviously, Letters to Cleo and Save Ferris. Sister Hazel, Bare Naked Ladies. Salt and Peppa, George Clinton, Cameo. The Thompson Twins, Joan Jett, The Cardigans. So much more. Also, we both were talking about this when we were watching the movie. That neighborhood where Kat and Bianca live. Incredible. So beautiful. It gave me some scream vibes. Woodsboro. Woodsboro without Ghostface, of course. (laughs) (laughs) He's not welcome, which it was filmed in Northern California. So kind of close areas. Gorgeous. Very beautiful. All right. We talked about our favorite moments. We got some least favorite moments now. We do. I've only got one. You want to tell us? Yes. So there are some movie tropes or story templates that really frustrate me. This is one of those. It's the classic guy gets paid or there's a bet or something he's got to do with a girl. But then, of course, he falls for her. And then she finds out it was a bet or he got paid. Blah, 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 blah. And he has to prove that he actually did care for her. But it's hard to prove when it started out shady. Exactly. (laughs) Not my fave. And halfway through, you were like, oh, this is that. This is that one, isn't it? (laughs) But there are a lot of them that are like that. There are. For me, it's a least favorite because it makes me sad, but it's also a favorite because he's so damn good at it and it's adorable. JGL's pouty face. Yeah. When he's at the party and he's watching Bianca with Joey and like the camera is just on him for a bit as he's holding that pouty face, which is also a funny outtake moment where they they focus on the pouty face for an extended time. And then that's when David, the character is Michael, basically is like, I'll have you. I'll make (laughs) out with you. (laughs) So at the party, people are passing around in a fancy crystal bowl, the spit from their chew. It's horrendous. (laughs) 
(laughs) And it made me remember seeing spit cups in my sister's bedroom from her friends, from her guy friends that would hang out. And she would just, it's really gross, actually. Like, she would leave the cups in there sometimes. And I would run across them and be so grossed out because I didn't understand what this brown, watery stuff with chunks in it was. Oh, stop. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But also, it was kind of like, core memory unlocked. CMU. Because I had totally forgotten about that until I saw that fancy bowl and it it just brought me back to my sister and her friends and how cool I thought everything was until I saw those cups. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, I will never let my friends chew that stuff in my house and leave the cups in my bedroom. Ew. And I never did. And another, this is the least favorite moment because when Kat is leaning in for the kiss in the car, like I know she's wrecked. But it's just awkward that she's sitting there with her eyes closed and her lips puckered out like she hasn't done this before when we know <laughs> we know she has. Right. And then Patrick turns her down saying, you know, they should do it another time. And she gets mad. First of all, you just threw up. Right. You've got puke breath. No, thank you. And if you were sober, you wouldn't want to kiss somebody with because it would embarrass you. Like, no, this is just a bad idea altogether. Second, he's probably feeling guilty because he's being paid. (laughs) But he also, you know, has feelings for her and he doesn't want to take advantage of her while she's drunk. And he's not. She doesn't see it. But we see we're starting to see his redeeming qualities here. But she's just mad at him. She storms off. And I I get it that she's embarrassed, but I just it's not my favorite. I don't like it. Get it out. (laughs) And lastly, Kat flashing her teacher to distract him so that Patrick can escape detention just because, ew. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just can't imagine anyone flashing their teacher like that. Like, it's just awkward. I know it was the 90s, but like, no. And I also know it's a movie and it's not real, but still. But I do feel like we watch her face turn red. I don't want to say in real time because it's not real time. But like in that moment, I feel like her face just slightly turns a shade of pink. It like, did. So maybe even though I'm sure, you know, I, I know she wasn't actually flashing her boobs. Like she definitely had something covering her. But it's like I feel like just the act of doing it was embarrassing. To right. Her. Or she's just a really great actress. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> and finally, we have our signs of the time or if. You know, there are any nostalgic moments the movie sparked for us. I'm going to start out because I have a few more than you, (laughs) as per usual. (laughs) But all the fashion, right? I do feel like a lot of the mid to late 90s films from Clueless to Jawbreaker to Cruel Intentions, I feel like this movie feels more authentic to me than those, even though I love the fashion in the other movies as well. Um, It just felt very much like what I saw every day during my four years of high school, which was from 94 to 98. Right. She's All That is another one that feels pretty authentic to me. But 10 Things looks like Adelia's catalog. It does. (laughs) You've got the crop tops and the flare pants and the long maxi skirts. So many cardigans over tanks and dresses. The platform flip flops. There are Mary Janes. And then you've got everyone's hair and their hair accessories. And then just like the regular accessories, cat's ball chain necklace. Everybody's walking around with East Pack and Jansport backpacks. And then, of course, the prom dresses. You got Kat's purple slip dress with the pearls and her curly updo, which was a lot like my prom style in 98. Mm-hmm. Except I had two strands hanging down. Right. <laughs> but I did have a purple dress. And then Bianca's prom dress. She's got that hot pink crop top and like a baby pink tulle skirt. You had to tell me that was legit. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> he did. 
I read an interview with the costume designer, Kim Tillman, and she said that in the scene where they're leaving the house for prom, that Bianca's or Larissa's top wasn't ready, but they had to film it because they only had one day at the house, you know, which it wasn't a set. So they probably were paying, you know, to use somebody's house. And she was upset, obviously, because, you know, it reflects on her and she wanted it to look right and she knew it didn't look right. And she also pointed out that the top fits her perfectly at the prom because obviously they had shot that a different day after she could take it in. But at the house, like it's it is it's kind of baggy and it just doesn't (laughs) doesn't quite look right. And I have to also point out that my prom shoes looked a lot like the shoes that Kay Hanley was wearing on the rooftop at the end. Did they? Yeah. Except mine were silver. They were silver. Yes. What color were hers? Black. Black. Gotcha. Okay. I did have some black ones though too. All right. My first one. Cat coming out of the record store with a CD. Yes. True sign of the 90s. It is. And she was already looking at it. And I'm like, man, remember what that was like? Oh, yeah. Being so excited. I couldn't wait to get home, to get it out of the wrapper, to look at the liner notes and oh, yeah. see if the lyrics were in there and look at all the pictures. All the pictures, all the lyrics. The thank if there yous. Were any thank yous. Yep. yep. <laughs> Why did we read the thank yous? But I totally read them. And, and I mean, you just soaked in all of it. We didn't have anything else to do. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> True. The media that we got, you know, if I bought a video game, I had to play that video game, whether it was crap or good, because in general, you couldn't take it back. Right. Although in 99, we had the Internet, so there were other things to do. There were starting to be other things to do. That's yes. true. But old <laughs> habits die hard, right? Yeah. It's only a couple of years. Yep. So when Bianca and Cameron are talking about Kat, he's trying to get to know Kat better, basically to understand her, to tell Patrick about her. And he's curious if Kat even likes guys. And Bianca says that she found a picture of Jared Leto in her drawer. So she's pretty sure that she likes guys. (laughs) And I think that that's where they got that she likes pretty guys. Because, I mean, Jared Leto is the epitome of a pretty guy. That's also very telling of the time. Yes, it is. (laughs) Another thing I noticed... The paddle boats that they were on out in the water looked a lot like the ones that were at like Darien Lake and various places I'd go to in the 80s. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more updated, but the same style. They have them at Lake Winnie, too. Mm-hmm. I was always scared to go in them there. The only place I ever went on them was at Lake Eola in Orlando. They have swan paddle boats. Okay. They, they had. I, I assume they still have them. It's been a little while, but... It was one of the funniest, most difficult things I've ever done. (laughs) They are hard. And I was wearing flip-flops. It was (laughs) not a good choice. (laughs) It's not a romantic time. No. I was with a friend, though, not on a date, but still. I've never done it on a date either. (laughs) So just some decor things. There's a celestial blanket on Kat's bed. Of course, all the posters on her wall. There's sunflower decor in the house that I noticed, which is a very 90s. And then in Bianca's room, first of all, we see her watching the real world Seattle. Yes. And she has magazine cutouts on her bulletin board. I recognize some of those from 17 and YM magazines that I had. And of course, her floral bedding, which I also had. Not that same one, but similar. And in Michael's room, we had a lava lamp. He also had some old school Durex chic classic condoms. Yeah, he did. <laughs> we did a, a deep dive on <laughs> we those. We did. He had some Centrum there in the old school Centrum bottle, as well as some old school Pepsi and Scope all on his desk. Yes. We were checking that desk out. We were. And he had a poster of a girl in a bikini. Right. Like we asked the question of do teenagers still decorate their rooms, which we've talked about and we, we've answered a little bit, at least from the few people that we know and that have told us. But, you know, you always saw in a lot of typically 
guys' rooms where they had half-naked women all over their walls. Or in dad's garages. Yes. Like, do people still do that? But I, I mean, know. magazines aren't as you know big of a thing. I know they still exist, but I don't know how many people buy them. Right. Magazines and posters, right? I yeah. remember seeing like Kathy Ireland and St. Pauli Girl, whatever it was. Like, these were common posters in like bars and stuff that I would go to or my dad's friend's dad's <laughs> garages. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you know, if you have some answers, let us know. Yes. This has always been fun to me when Bianca is trying to convince her dad to let her go to prom. Can we for two seconds ignore the fact that you are severely unhinged and discuss my need for a night of teenage normalcy? What's normal? Those damn Dawson's River kids sleeping in each other's beds and whatnot? I always love that he said Dawson's River. (laughs) And it's so funny to me to think about how parents were so upset about Dawson's Creek because Joey would sneak into Dawson's window and they'd sleep in the same bed sometimes, even when they were just friends. All I can think of is like euphoria. (laughs) I I wonder if my sisters were allowed to watch Dawson's Creek. I don't know. I mean... Like, overall, it was a pretty wholesome show. I mean, yes, they talked about sex and they occasionally somebody would drink and feel guilty about it or, you know, like, (laughs) but it was still pretty tame compared to what is out there now. I mean, would you call the Smurfs tame? (laughs) Yes, I would. (laughs) Couldn't watch the Smurfs. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Thundercats, tame. Some parents were much more strict than others. (laughs) (laughs) But the controls had been loosened by that point. So I wonder... If they were allowed, if they wanted to, I'll have to ask them. Yeah. Or Tori, if you're listening, text me and tell me. (laughs) But, you know, like Euphoria, even as an adult, there are some things that make me blush or cringe. Yeah. I mean, I watch a lot of wild stuff, you know, (laughs) that sounds bad. But you know what I mean. Listen, you're hip, man. (laughs) I'm just saying not a lot phases me. But when I watch that, I think about the fact that there are teenagers watching that. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, oh, no. And I don't like that attitude that I do see a lot of people have where they're just like, everything sucks now. Right. You know, let's go back to the way things were then. Because I don't I don't feel that way. Like, I love, obviously, I love nostalgia. I love thinking about the way things used to be. And I'm not saying everything's wonderful now, but I think there are great things about now, too. I just, I want to be positive about everything. I just think it is funny to think about how some things were so upsetting to parents back then that seem so mild now, like Dawson's Creek and Bart Simpson saying, eat my shorts. Right. <laughs> But I wonder, did somebody that was like 18 in 1895 want to go back to 1895 when it was 1922? You know what I'm saying? Like times they had changed in that that period of time. Did they want to go back? It's like, I kind of do. I would miss some things from now. Yeah. There's some things I wouldn't miss. I would love to go. We just had a big discussion about this on a previous episode, just about how I would go back if I could. But I wish I could go back, you know, knowing what I know now. I feel like I would just appreciate it all so much more, take it all in. But I would miss, I mean, I'd miss my iPhone for sure. I mean, I'd miss HDTV. <laughs> yes. I would miss streaming services, kind of, some of them. Mm-hmm. I would miss how good video games have gotten, although video games back then were still special. Yeah. But it would be hard to know what I know now back then. It's a fun conversation. It I is. could I could talk about it all day long. Next up for me, when Kat says this to Mandela. Do you really want to get all dressed up so some car noir wearing Dexter with a boner can feel you up while you're forced to listen to a band that by definition blows? Shout out to Dracar Noir. Yes, when we asked the question, what did the 90s smell like? Dracar Noir is a response we got a lot. We did. (laughs) 
And the last one I wrote was just that Kat had Poe drawn on her binder at school, which was very fitting for Kat, you know, based on the other kinds of music that she liked. Next up for me, when Walter is watching the infomercial in his living room with the spray on GLH hair system. Yeah. (laughs) And I remember seeing that back in the day Mm -hmm. and thinking, does anybody do that? I know. Did anybody do that? I I'd never saw a single person, either the GLH hair system or it's analog in real life, whatever it was called, hair system for men or something, hair club for men, was yes. so amazing mm-hmm. that you couldn't tell. Right. I really think you could tell, though, if somebody spray painted their head. You would think so. Or nobody ever did it. I mean, if you know anyone that did it, reach out. Please do. Let us know. Very curious. Because I knew some people that were bald or balding. Yes. And I never saw them with their head spray painted. Nope. With hair. Me neither. But just the two of us, so. Yeah. <laughs> you and I. <laughs> and finally, I guess I've got more than you. Lots of VHS tapes in the living room. Yes. Tons of them. I always love just finding those little things. Yeah. The set dressing, which was authentic for the time. Or that was somebody's house and they had all those VHS tapes. <gasps> Could be. Yeah. Like my aunt and uncle had a wall of VHS tapes for a very long time. Yep. Well, I'm so happy we finally got to cover this movie. It's one that I wanted to do for a long time. And I'm going to say this here and now, live, just between me and you, because I haven't said it to you yet. Okay. We have a few episodes in the bag. We have one more movie that we have prepped to record that we haven't done yet. Of course, we have our My So-Called Life recaps, but I'm saying it here and now that the next movie we cover outside of the next one that comes, so it'll be two movies from now. Mm Mm-hmm. You get to pick. I get to pick it? Now, don't pick it right now. You got to think about it. I wish we could poll the audience to see. Maybe I could put up five options. Would anybody vote? Would you vote? If you want to do it that way, that's fine. But it's Could your... you do an Instagram poll? Yeah, I can do yeah. that. If I gave you five options? Yes. All right, all right, all right. And you're going to put it in their hands when you get... I've got five movies to pick that I would love to cover. Now, question. Yeah? May is fast approaching. Well, we certainly don't have time to get one out for May the 4th. Today is April 29th that we're recording this. What? (laughs) You should have planned that sooner. You should have. You are the producer. (laughs) You knew May the 4th was coming. I don't know what day it is ever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this one's not even going to be out before May the 4th. Oh, man. Man. All right. We'll keep Star Wars off the list. I mean, obviously we need to do it. Although our buddy McNair is going to be in Australia. (sighs) So I don't know it's his fault. when we're going to be able, if he's going to participate. McNair, it's your fault. We're not doing Return of the Jedi. It's not his fault. We're going to do it. It's just a matter of when. And if it doesn't line up with May the 4th, it doesn't. Maybe next year we'll line it up with May the 4th or we'll do it before then. The no. W- the world is our oyster. No. No what? It will be released on May the 4th. Then put a reminder in your phone that in April we got to get busy in more ways than one. Oh, cut that. Cut oh, that. Oh, cut that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> All right. Well, I like this. I will pick five movies and be happy with any one of them if the audience votes on it. All right. We'll do it. Or maybe I'll just pick. (laughs) Keep us guessing. All right. Keep an eye out for some polls, though. (laughs) 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 On that note, we're out of here. Bye-bye. Audi 5000. Okay. (laughs) I don't know why I'm like a brain fart. You said you hated Julia Stiles. Yes, but you got really upset with me when I said that. So now I've I've changed tack. Well, you don't need to She's lie. She's my favorite. You She's my to... absolute 
favorite. You don't have to say how you feel about her. You I was just saying say her it, name. I was saying it sarcastically. Could you not tell? I mean, I know it's sarcasm. We'll just leave it and let everyone think you love Julia Stiles. That's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> could you could you do the thing so I could hear it? <laughs> Please. Although Julia Stiles was your favorite. She was. <laughs> <laughs> I have since come around on Julia. Oh, okay. I don't know why I disliked her so much, but I really did. Listen, sometimes it just happens that way. It does. Did she date someone that you liked? No, I just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most of the people I don't like, that's why they dated some actor I like. <laughs> Keep an eye out for my poll. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha